Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Tony Dunn, ain't nothing to it but to do it, brother. Let's roll. In a world where Carolina Panthers fans have an insatiable thirst for Panthers news and opinions. Only one podcast roars ferociously. It's the C3 Panthers Podcast. Welcome back, Panther fans. It felt, feels like I just left you. I just left you last night after an incredibly uh, heated debate and a long show with a ton of calls, a ton of viewers. We had a great time. Welcome back to the C3 Panthers podcast this week ep- week's episode of the C3 Beat Check, where we put our ear to the ground, check the latest headlines with beat reporters and podcasters around the NFL. Tonight, Cody, we got a great show. We've got the long-term beat reporter, for the Carolina Panthers, now with The Athletic, the number one site for long-form, close, thoughtful, intellectual content when it comes to the team, perfect for our type of viewers who cannot get enough. Joe Person with The Athletic is about to join us right now. And at 8.20, we've got Will McFadden from Believe in Falcons podcast, as well as writer for the Falcoholic to help us preview the Thursday night blackout matchup. And boy, I felt like I left you with a black eye last night after we were fighting on uh, nonstop, Cody. Welcome back. You, you, one, you always think that. Two, it's never true. And yes, man, we're always excited to talk to Joe Person, man. He has his ear close to the ground of the Carolina Panthers. And, uh, you know, it's always fun to, to pick his brain. What a weird season we're in the middle of, huh? Man, only being two games out of first place. Yeah, after the shellacking that we took, it's, it's weird to kind of know where we're going. We think Joe is going to help out with that tonight. But, Tony, as always, you know that we're going to do this. But the best Panther fans in all of YouTube, man, Action Jack, our boy AJ Drew, Michael Davis, Panther Pickle, the real AP, Tantizzi, Tony Dunn, and nothing to it, and nothing to it but to check the beat on the C3 check. Let's roll. Let's roll. The one thing, uh, one last housekeeping thing before we get into everything is during the bye week, usually every uh, after every game we have a big post game show. It's our one of the biggest shows of the week. This week, during this year during the bye week, we're starting a kind of a new tradition. We hope to establish where we support one Panther kind of founded by a player charity, uh, yeah. and we're going to help this year. What we're going to do 
is, and it's I want I don't want to it's a collaboration. I don't want to call it a partnership because this is not about us. But the Bradley uh, and Nikki Bozeman Foundation and the Sink Snack Box uh, charity drive is what yeah. we're going to support this year. So, guys, uh, during the bye week, normal time for the post game show, four thirty, I think, is what we're going to aim for. Uh, we'll be pushing that all week in the lead up to the bye week. We're going to have uh, trivia. We're going to have games. We're going to have guests and things like that. And all the donations to the show, we're not even going to take them directly. We're just going to give you the link so that you can support this foundation. Cody, let's go ahead and bring in our guest, Joe Person, the athletic. Welcome to the C3 Panthers podcast. What's going on, guys? Welcome back, man. Uh, what a slog this season has already become, Joe. <laughs> That's a good word for it, man. It's, uh, yeah, it's unfortunate. I, my first year on the beat, I think I've told you guys this before, but it was 2010. So y'all remember that, man. Two and 14. Matt Moore was going to start. Jimmy Claus. Moore got hurt. They threw Jimmy Claus into the Wolves. Tony Pike, I think, started one game or at least a, he played a lot. I mean, it was bad. It was worse than this year, but, uh, it's never a lot of fun when you're going through this in any in any capacity, a fan, a writer, and certainly uh, the players. That you know, it, it it's rough on them more so than anybody. Yeah, I know. We've felt like we've been a you know almost an unprecedented growth over the last two years, and we're trying to keep up that momentum. But gosh, we're trying to find creative ways to generate uh, intelligent conversation and excitement. So thank you for being a part of that and. I guess the one thing is uh, you mentioned in your story, and we're going to feature a couple of your headlines tonight, Randy Fasani, uh, the last quarterback that had a zero uh, QBR or something like that. Tony Pike, um, inter- is he like our – what is the guy, the Sam not, – not Sam Ellinger. That's the Colts guy. Who's the guy that DJ Moore didn't know his name? I don't even know his name. Uh, well, it was, it was Nick Eason and – I'm sorry, Jacob Eason. There we go. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and Jacob Eason is no longer uh, on the team. He's a practice squad guy. I actually liked Jacob Eason when he was at Georgia. He, um, I think he followed, I think I got this right. He followed Jacob from, and, yeah. uh, and then I think when Justin Fields was going to come in initially, Eason transferred to Washington. Anyway, Jake, uh, Jacob Eason, now I want to call him Nick Eason. Jacob Eason's time in Charlotte was short, and uh, he did, didn't he? He got in the end of the Rams game, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, and he was actually yeah. kind of, I mean, like, I guess it was hard to. He was able to move the ball. I mean, he yeah. looked Is he our Tony enough, Pike, you know? though? Because wasn't Tony Pike real tall? <laughs> yes, Tony Pike was tall. Tony Pike's name came up when we were at Cincinnati last week because um, I think think he is hosting a sports talk or, or, or doing something in Cincinnati. And uh, we were talking about him. I think Darren Gant and I in the press box were having a, uh, some Tony Pike flashbacks. Uh, again, that was that uh, 2010 season. That was rough. I know we're, we're in the midst of it. All right, let's start with, uh, so we're just going to go kind of, highlight a couple of your stories here. I want to encourage everybody to go support the athletic. This is particularly, Oh, I got a great question to end this interview about the blue checks at the end. Um, 
right now the story that you came out with after this i've been calling it humiliating you use the term pitiful performance the headline was flat panthers need to pick up the energy after a pitiful performance versus the Bengals. And you wrote this, Joe, but Walker was hardly the only problem. Right tackle Taylor Moten had a pair of false start penalties. The defensive line couldn't stay out of the neutral zone. Uh, That's a YGM reference there. And no one could tackle Joe Mixon, who set a Bengals record with five touchdowns. The 6'1", 220-pound Mixon had scored four touchdowns and 113 rushing yards before halftime. They were the third worst rushing offense, then proceeded to gash the Panthers for 241 yards on the ground, three times what they have been averaging. You guys can read the full story at The Athletic. My question to you is this, is that after the firing of Matt Rule and uh, the appointment of Steve Wilkes and the kind of the team seemed to coalesce behind him, uh, the fan base, we, we, we garnered a little bit of excitement in a couple of ways. We had Jonathan Stewart on the podcast. He referenced the 2014 season over and over and over again and how Steve Wilkes was a part of that. We saw them fight hard. The best – it wasn't a bad game against the Rams. They just didn't have any offense. But then they come out, they beat the Bucks, put up an impressive performance from the Falcons, and we're sitting here going, man, maybe we have this outside shot to back in like 2014. This loss was so bad, Joe, against the Bengals, it really – just was like uh, getting the wind knocked out of you for the fan base. That's how our fans have reacted. How is the team, do you think, responding to such a difficult beatdown? You know, I really think that having a Thursday night game after that beatdown, as you so uh, appropriately called it, I think that's been good. Like, okay. they have time if, if they wanted to wallow in their sorrows they didn't have time like well, that's there were point. guys i think it was uh pj walker was telling us and it wasn't just pj the plane lands i think around 7 30 sunday night gets back from cincinnati um i guess the you know the bus is another half an hour so they, you know they get back to like bank of america stadium about eight o'clock at night after having just had gotten their asses kicked and some of them went back in the stadium and started Sunday night I don't know if they were in there breaking down tape of the Falcons but I think like in PJ Walker's case he was in there getting treatment I don't know if he was like in a hot tub cold tub but just that whole process I think Shaq might have said something about doing that but all of which I say to make the point that I do think it was good to, if you're going to have that kind of performance, at least you could kind of flush it in a hurry and like, you know, like, Hey, we got to play again in, in four yeah. nights. Let, let's get going. Excellent point. I wish, I hope Steve Smith was waiting for them at the ice tub, tubs going ice up. ice up. <laughs> so Joe, I'm going to, I'm going to jump in here. You know, I mentioned at the start of the show, how weird it is that we're not far out of first place. Like, I mean, the the NFC South is within range for the Carolina Panthers, as odd as that is to say. However, we also have number two pick in the draft. There was a lot of news and rumors around potential trades that the Panthers could have taken part in, but opted not to. Notably, Brian Burns to the Rams for a 2024 and 2025 first-round pick. Then we heard, and I don't know if this was ever confirmed or not, but... Uh, uh, the Green Bay Packers were interested. 
and DJ Moore and were potentially willing to give up a first-round pick for him. When you're Scott Fitterer in your second year, what do you think goes into the decisions to not potentially get an extra three first-round picks in a year that most fans might say, hey, this is the definition of a tanking year? What would you say went into that decision? Yeah, it's a great question. And talking with people in the organization, here, here's here's the best way I could describe it. They already are hurting at the edge rusher spot opposite of Brian Burns. Like, right. like last year, they had two pretty darn good ones with Reddick and Burns. This year, they've got Burns. That's it. And so you get rid of Burns. Like Etor Gross Matos, it, it hadn't happened. Like he looks like a situational type of guy. He does not look like, you know, a difference maker uh, at edge rusher. So you get, let, let's start with Burns. You you start, you, you get rid of him and you're right, man. It's, it's tempting. You get those draft picks, but then you need to go somehow find two edge rushers. So you're either using one of those draft picks on an edge guy. And as you said, their future draft picks anyway, Maybe use one to, to, to trade up into in this year's draft. But the point being is like at some point you've got to hold on to some of your assets or or you're gonna you're gonna be just taking all these flyers and on, on first round picks. Some of them might work out and some might not. You know Burns and DJ Moore are good players. Like let's take CJ Henderson, for instance. There's another former first-round pick. He, you know, he did not. He washed out in Jacksonville. So, a lot of times we and and we get enamored with with the picks, and and I get it, man. Like that, picks are gold if you, you know, if you do something good with them. Yeah. But I didn't really have a problem with them holding on to those guys. I would have liked to have seen them try to move somebody else. You know maybe like a Shaq or a Dante, just because, you know, Shaq's is a potential salary cap casualty guy anyway this offseason. And Dante struggled with injuries, but they end up holding on to these guys. I'm fascinated. You you brought up a good point. How weird is it this team's two games out of first place and one spot half <laughs> really behind Houston for the first round pick? It's yeah. so bizarre. It's yeah, so that's bizarre. Crazy. That's crazy. In some ways, it's even more peculiar than 2014. You know, I, mm. it's just, from, you know, from the jump, it's just been really bad. It has. Yeah. It, 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 I'm fascinated. I'll be honest. I I've, was having this discussion with my editor this week. And I want to see how it goes tomorrow night, you know, against the Falcons. But if they lose again, I think we're about ready to turn the page and start really hammering coverage on, um, on you know, the number one pick, draft positioning, uh, guys like Derek Brown, who has really been a positive. Like, there are guys on this team to build around. And uh, it's, it's just going to be, you know, another loss, and they get to what would that be, two and eight. I think we're just going to start – the athletic at least is going to do a lot of looking ahead type stories because I, I think fans at that point will be more interested in the draft pick than 
how many games behind the Buccaneers? There. Yeah, we have one more loss in us, and that, and then, I mean, that I, I felt like the Bengals one was deflating enough. This one is this is look. This is another division. This will give us some divisional hope in some weird way, you know. That you could, if we want it in a black, and we get the black on black, where we'll talk about that. Let's go to the next story, Cody. The next story that was up on that Joe put up on the Athletic was uh, Panthers sticking with QB fresh off a zero quarterback rating. Is this what tanking looks like? And you quoted what what caught my eye. What's interesting is one is that that was the story coming out or out of the Sunday is who's going to start on Thursday, particularly because Baker had his probably his best half of the year uh, in the background of a, just a, you know, just a disaster. Um, and PJ was named or they, you know, they announced that they're going to go with PJ on Thursday. And Steve Wilkes said, uh, when asked about it, he said, I'm not going to get into the state of how guys handle certain situations, we talked to his men, and I told Baker exactly what I thought. I would say Baker's a competitor just like Sam. They all want to start. They all want to play. I know he's going to continue to be a pro as he's been. We talked about this last night on the C3 Panthers podcast. To me, uh, the stories, I saw one person report that Baker was not available for media availability. Um, and what's the story here with Baker? Is Baker... Do you think he's upset that after the after the performance, what he believes probably he lost his starting job to injury, which is not it's kind of fake. I mean, he was doing so bad he was going to lose a job anyway. But um, he comes back and had probably had, like I said, has the best performance of the year. And then he's not named the starter. And then you referenced in your article, just like we talked about last night. There's some conditional with the draft picks that go into the trade. What's going on with Baker? Is he upset, and is there more to this story behind the scenes? Yeah, I think he is, honestly. I mean, we talked to him each of the last two weeks, and he really was positive. He, he had a lot of good things to say. He's like, look, I'm waiting on my chance. We all want to play. Well, then he gets his chance. And, look, I know the Bengals have been a prevent defense and playing some younger guys, but still – Baker went out there and moved the ball, directed three touchdown drives out of his four possessions. I'm sure he showed up Monday morning thinking he was going to be the starter, and he wasn't. I do think – I mean, some of this, of course, is reading the tea leaves, but I don't think it was an accident that we didn't see him in the locker room. And it was – look, it was a short week, but we still – got to talk to everybody else that, that we wanted to talk to Monday or Tuesday. Um, and I, I mean, Baker, and probably maybe it was smart. Like, look, I think maybe he's having this conversation or his wife or his, whoever, whoever he confides in, like better to say nothing than, than to go out and you know say what he really wanted to say. Uh, but it's going to be interesting to watch because if he's not starting this week, guys, out of that performance, then I don't know. I, I think it's going to take PJ and Sam Darnold to get hurt. Excuse <laughs> me. For, I, really? I mean, like, if he's not playing this week, when's he going to play again? Um, unless both those guys. I we'll see Nick see- Eason first. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's a good point. Good point. And man, is a uh, gosh, it just is a, a 
I guess a perfect ending to a, just a awfulness of this quarterback craziness that's happened for the last few years. You're yeah, up, Cody. It's, it's definitely uh, a peculiar story to watch. Joe, uh, we just recently saw Steve Wilkes uh, fire two coaches on this staff. And, you know, last night on our Tuesday podcast, we had this discussion on what's really happening here. I mean, were, were these guys just kind of the scapegoat or the fall guys for such a bad performance against Cincinnati? You know, it, it almost had feels of when Matt Rule fired Joe Brady the first time. You know, that things just weren't going well and a change had to be made. What 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 do you think went into the decision making process with Steve Wilkes and decide to fire Pasqualoni and uh Bowers, I believe. No, uh yeah. what's his name? Eddie something. Evan Cooper. Evan Cooper. Evan Cooper. Uh, I think a couple things were at work, guys. I, I first of all, Steve Wilkes comes in here, he gets rehired in January. And, you know, Rule and Rule made a couple other changes, but mostly his staff was still guys he'd work with in Baylor or Temple or both. Uh, in the case of Evan Cooper uh, and Phil Snow and Ed Foley. And so I don't think, I mean, those three guys I just mentioned, of course, Foley and um, Snow, they were the first two to go. I, I mean, Wilkes, get, Wilkes takes over. I mean, it's already a difficult situation. I think he looked around the coach's room and said, you know, some of these guys are Matt Rule's best friends. I don't think this is a good working environment for me to keep these guys. And, I, you know, I'm sure scheme played a part of it too, but uh, – it, it, I just, I, and, and then yes, to your point, would he have fired these guys if they had beat, beaten Cincinnati? Probably not. But I also think behind the scenes, Wilkes is sort of like trying to surround himself with the guys that he knows well, that he trusts, just like all these coaches do. That's why Matt Rule brought those guys with him. They're guys whose opinions he trusts. Uh, and who's you know who believes they're competent very good football coaches steve wilkes might have a different opinion and so now uh now we're seeing just they're getting like they had a big coaching staff already like 20 dudes but it, it's starting to, it's starting to get threat there over there on mid street somebody uh two things about that is uh someone uh i love this comment they said that firing these guys is like rearranging deck chairs on the titanic i uh, love that comment the other one though that stuck out to me because paul pascaloni was the new guy kind of not the well actually he's not the new guy he's looked a hundred i think that's how you described him too he looks actually younger now than he looked with detroit which is if you look at the pictures from him detroit he looked older um Someone said that he and Rule have connections at Syracuse, though. Yeah, they go they go back. I don't think they were ever at Syracuse together. But here's the thing: uh, if we're being honest, Paul Pasqualoni was like an advisor at the University of Florida last year. He was not even an on the field coach. Same thing with Ben McAdoo. Ben McAdoo was like a consultant for, for the, the Cowboys. Year. Yes. I mean, he, he wasn't doing on-field coaching. When Matt Rule opened up the, you know, what, like, and I, I think Tepper told him, hey, you need to shake up your coaching staff. Um, 
I think he had a really I, – I know he had a hard time getting guys in here. I think there were people that turned him down right and left because they very astutely thought this was a sinking ship and I don't want to move my family and, you know, new schools and buy a house. Or put or, my name on it. Thank you. Like, they didn't – and so, like, for instance, uh, Pep Hamilton is a one example yep. of, of many. Uh, Pep Hamilton was with, with still with the, the Texans and he's a Charlotte guy. He likes Steve Wilkes. He's a Charlotte native. He didn't want to touch it. Um, Thomas McGahey, a special teams coordinator under Ron Rivera. He was offered the special teams job. He didn't take it. And so, yeah. And, and Chris Tabor was a good hire. I don't want to dump on Yeah, him. he's great. And, and, you know, Ben McAdoo, his resume, and same with Paul Pasqualoni, like they've done great things in this game, but I don't think it's a coincidence that Matt Rule had to hire two guys, those two that I just mentioned, who were not on-field coaches last year. Yeah, well, kudos to him for actually getting those guys, to be honest. Like, uh, we actually thought the rearrangement in the background was pretty good given the dire circumstances uh, my last question goes to your final story that I'm going to highlight, and then Cody's got one more for you. And that is uh, you put up uh, your second-half predictions. And don't worry, uh, you're not the only person who has over-predicted the Panthers' success this year. In fact, I think we were about the same, kind of that 8-9 eight, eight and nine type area, stuff like this. Yeah. Man, there were people, sure, we're, yeah. a fa- we're a fan podcast. There's a lot of people that were like 10 and <laughs> but, uh, there you gave six predictions. I'm only putting three up here for the fans to see. So I want them, uh, to be able to go check out, uh, the story on the athletic.com and please go support the athletic. We've got to support our low look. Joe's been the guy for Charlotte in a revolving door of people who have been covering this team. So he knows this team for a long time, and he knows them through multiple GMs, multiple coaches. Uh, one, I think the Sam Darnold, when we've already touched on, you put that you predicted Sam Darnold will start a majority of the games. We probably won't see Baker much more. Derek Brown's been a success story. I'd love to talk about him for hours, given the people, way people gave up on him too quickly, and he was fine the entire time, I believe. Uh, but last, this one stuck out to me. You predicted Wilkes sticks around past this season, and you didn't automatically go to head coach, but you also floated the idea of in some sort of assistant head coach capacity, defensive coordinator, and uh, this is a kind of a, like a two-part question of the same thing is, do you think Wilkes has got a chance of winning this job, which we thought, you know, I mean, was a possibility, but it's getting harder and harder each week. Uh, and on top of that, if he does stick around in this non-head coach capacity, is that David Tepper being a puppet master? Because doesn't that feel like the worst thing to do when it comes to like piecing together a new regime, kind of like where you brought in Matt Rule and then you brought in Scott Fitter? Can't we just do it the right way? where the GM hires the coach, the coach picks the staff, and then the GM and the coach either have success and and, and be successful or they both get fired. And then we do it again. Yeah, listen, like, I don't know if Wilkes is going to stick around. I, I do know that he has impressed people in the building. I mean, he already 
had people, you know, in his corner from his first tenure here uh, who know him. And I mean, guys like Luke Keekley go to bat for him behind the scenes. I mean, he really is well liked uh, and respected. That does that mean he'll stay around? I don't know. I do. I do think that they would like to probably do right by Steve Wilkes because he's sort of been given a crap sandwich here. Uh, I mean, no, no in interim situation. I mean, it, the guy's fired for a reason. You know what I mean? Like it, it's, it's tough. Rich, Rich Bisaccia, kudos to him, man. Last year he pulled it off in Vegas and still didn't get the head coaching. Yeah. No kidding. And so, I, I don't even know if Wilkes would want to stay if he's not the head coaching guy, if he's not the head coach. But I do think the team and, – and I no, I don't think – I think it would have to be a fit with whoever the head coach is. And, and I referenced in that story, which you were very nice to, to reference, um, of course, Tepper, a lot of his point of reference is the Steelers. Excuse me, because he was a, a, a minority owner there. Well, when Tomlin took over in 07, I think he was encouraged to retain Dick LeBeau. And he did. And they worked together for a few years and did pretty well together. And then, you know, Dick LeBeau kind of rode off into the sunset. So, I mean, these things do happen from time to time. And uh, I'm not saying it will or it should. Steve Wilkes might have a better offer somewhere else. I mean, listen, Steve Wilkes still wants to get the head coaching job. Yeah. You can see it in his face. When they lost on that, uh, when they got that penalty with the the Falcons game, I won't say, look, man, look, as you can tell, he wanted it. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, it would have to be pretty incredible turnaround here over these last eight games, I think, for him to have a legitimate shot. But he, people I, I i can tell you that uh in the locker room and the front office with how he's handled this all right final question uh from cody and then we get where we'll let you go up oh, you're on mute oh <laughs> my bad uh joe we appreciate you so much for being on here i feel like one of the biggest uh one of the things that that david temper has done that panther fans have loved the most has really been aesthetics. You know, first it was the Panther in the middle of the field. Now tomorrow night we're finally going to get the black helmets that fans have been waiting for for so long. You know, even fans that think that the Panthers are going to lose so badly want us to win in these uniforms. What are the chances that you think the Panthers continue to, um, you know, implement stuff like the black helmets in more than one game and maybe even some slight um, tweaks to the Panthers universe going forward at some point. Yeah, Tapper certainly seems more open to that kind of stuff than Richardson. I mean, you guys know Richardson yeah. was very conservative, very, very much. I mean, they had the shield at the at the midfield. Um, so yeah, I I I think Tepper's aware. I mean, he's also aware that can go sell that merchandise too if you tweak the uniform or <laughs> have a different color scheme and he that they're not selling a, listen this is a team that is not selling many tickets this year for for you know uh, butts in the seats for obvious reasons and, and, and right i am not being critical that <laughs> if i were a, 
a paying fan, I wouldn't either. Uh, but my point is, if they have an opportunity to go uh, sell something different and unique in the team store, then I think David Tepper is absolutely going to take that chance. For did, did you see their top five in ticket cost, though? Like, uh, we're a top five organization in attending a game, which I think is incredible. So, um, look, is uh, tell them they're giving away a, a helmet on the website right now. There's a giveaway on the Panthers website. You can spin the little wheel or whatever. Tell them they need them better. They better be giving away more than one of them black helmets. They better give like a thousand away right now. Uh, so thanks, Joe. Uh, first, everybody, I'm going to encourage everybody to go to The Athletic and subscribe. Joe Person, you've been on the beat for over 10 years now. My last, it's not even a real question, but is this, uh, are you going to get your blue check? <laughs> I've got one now. I don't know what Elon's trying to do, man. It's going to be a tax write-off for you. <laughs> I, I, I got I to see how the athletics going to play that, man. I hear you. I hear you. All right, man. That's Joe Person with The Athletic. Thanks for hanging out with us. Appreciate it, guys. Always, It's always a blast. Awesome, man. Thanks, man. Uh, Good stuff there. Everybody, please go subscribe to The Athletic. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply and support your content creators now let's go to our next guest who's been waiting patiently thank you so much will mcfadden from host of the believe in falcons podcast and writer for the falcoholic welcome back to the c3 panthers podcast uh, it's good to be back tony uh i appreciate you welcoming back on yeah man um look is um kind of a bizarre situation not kind of bizarre nfc south uh, but we've been here before in 2014 is in 2014. It was uh, who yeah. doesn't want to win 
in fact, actually, I almost feel like it's to that point is like we don't want to win. But now the Falcons have been frisky. You guys, that's what I've described you guys as a frisky team, a feisty team all season. I always, uh, when we walked into this year, uh, everybody was dumping on the Falcons. I mean, I'm telling you, is that they they don't have any talent. They're going to be so bad. Even Panther fans, when we and we're a disaster, Panther fans were like, oh, at least we're not going to be like the Falcons. And I was like, hey, anytime that narrative prevails in the NFL, watch out. And I was kind of right, man. You guys have been in games. It hasn't always been pretty. But uh, you have it back down, and all of a sudden you find yourself in or what or is it tied for first or in first right now? Uh, currently tied. I, with a win Thursday or tomorrow night, you know, it would move them to sole place of the of the division. But Tampa Bay currently holds the tiebreaker, so okay. any kind of tie with Tampa technically puts Tampa ahead. Um, so the Falcons, I think, are eighth right now in the playoff seating. So they're just out of the playoffs um, because of that tiebreak. But it's really interesting that you um, mentioned the expectations because I just earlier this afternoon kind of recorded the intro for my podcast that's going up tomorrow. Um, and I likened or I compared Atlanta's situation to Indy. And obviously the big Matt Ryan connection there. But it's when Indy traded for Matt Ryan, it was kind of like, oh, here's the missing piece. Now in a really good AFC are the Colts kind of dark horse candidates and all of that, you know, good stuff. It's like they finally got the quarterback that could maybe put him over the top. Obviously, that didn't happen. Obviously, no. it went as as wrong. I was as it so wrong on that. Out. I was like, drinking that Kool Aid, bro. I was too. I think I I picked them to make the Super Bowl, which is like <laughs> well, I wasn't those, drinking that much. It's but drinking okay. <laughs> those Kool Aid, right? And and that's obviously like coming from a Matt Ryan perspective as well, and and having covered him and thinking very highly of him, but it all goes to like previous expectations and how they color all of our opinions going into the season. And yep. every year just proves that it's totally different. Nobody would have ever believed that Cincinnati would have been in the Super Bowl last year. Nobody Correct. would have ever believed that Atlanta would be tied for first place in the division going into or the Or that 10. Minnesota would be great this year. Or how that New there? York yeah. would be winning or that Seattle would be winning. Uh, that's year, even, yeah. Really, the that's NFL the teaches one. us this, right? So it, it's kind of like, we should stop being surprised and we should we should stop making all of these like basically all the teams that made the playoffs last year are going to be the teams that make the playoffs this year. It's just not that league. And so it's really exciting for the Falcons to be where they're at. But the Panthers gave them a hell of a game, you know, the last time they saw each other. So I'm a little bit nervous heading into uh, tomorrow night. What, ahead, do you think the, what do you think the game plan is? You know, since we had such a, a nail biter of a game, that essentially came down to two midfields, so, you know, a, a bunch of craziness happened. But I noticed that there was, um, you know, there was this narrative going around that the Falcons just were not giving Kyle Pitts the ball enough. Um, you know, do you think that that has changed in recent weeks? And what specific matchups on offense are you looking for? Do you think the offense is going to be very Kyle Pitts heavy or a mixture between you know, Drake's London and Cole Patterson coming back. What's the recipe to a road victory for the Falcons against the Panthers tomorrow night? Well, I think that any any path to victory for Atlanta is going to start on the ground, first and foremost. And it, it should have been that case against the Chargers. I mean, the Falcons ran the ball 35 times for 201 yards. And ultimately, it was 
ironically, the shots to Kyle Pitts that I think kind of ultimately prevented them from winning that game because Marcus Mariota was just not effective moving the ball. And there were a few series, especially in the second half, where they kind of went three and out really quickly. And one of those plays on that three down series was a deep shot. And when you're averaging, you know, nearly six yards a carry, uh, I think a lot of people were wondering why were you taking those those shots? But I think the reason is because they do want to get Kyle Pitts involved a little bit more. They do want to get Drake London involved a little bit more. And the way that the Falcons are going to try to pass the ball, it's suck everybody in with the run game. And then, hey, while they're all like worried about the jab that we're going to throw, we're going to hit them with a haymaker over here. And they're going to try to make their passing game count because they don't rely it on a, or rely on it a lot. So Kyle Pitts, I think, is going to be involved. Uh, the Panthers game the first time around was kind of his not coming out party because, you know, what he did as a rookie already, we know what he is. But it was his most uh, impactful game so far this season for Atlanta was was against Carolina and, and most involved. But then they went right back to him against uh, the Chargers and they tried to get him involved. It's just that Marcus Mariota was missing. The X factor in the matchup on offense is really how does Cordero Patterson and how does he in the backfield make a difference against a really good Panthers defensive line that I think did have an impact on Atlanta's run game to a degree. And and if Marcus Mariota did not play really well at times against Carolina, especially to buy time and then... It's like one of his best games of the year, arguably. It was. Yeah, I mean, that and the San Francisco game, I mean, I I think were rock solid. Um, And so... I think that Carolina would have won that game if Marcus Mariota had not played well. Now with Cordero Patterson back in the mix, can he be a little bit of an X factor and maybe avoid a Derek Brown in the backfield or avoid, you know, a, a Shaq Thompson coming off of the edge to to make that play? Because he's of an equal caliber to those guys. And Atlanta didn't have him last time. So that's kind of my X factor in this matchup. How about this, Cody? The a Falcons insider doesn't even know the greatest weapon. On his team, oh, dude, he's about to go on this Demir Burge spiel, and Demir I don't want to hear it. Burr. It's shirt, so shirt, damn shirt. dumb. No, shirt, and by the way, Demir, oh, Burr, Demir Burge, it's not so dumb. A former Carolina Panther is definitely it's a not player, so dumb. But I'm we a... also have we also have a young South Carolina guy named Shy Smith, and me and Tony have been arguing. Who's the better prospect? Oh, totally, Demir Burt. You can't even uh, – Shy can't even hold his jock. So just remember that. You, y'all watch. Demir Bird is legit. If you don't have him returning all y'all's punts and your kickoffs and all of that, silly. Um, how is Cor- – <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you, dude. I've been at a game where this guy returned two to the house and caught a touchdown, and he's a, he's a walk-on, dude. I mean, like, I mean, undrafted, slight. He's great. He's he's done more than so many people. No one gives him credit. He's always fighting the bubble all the time. And he has caught more touchdowns than, like, half the people that Cody likes. But <laughs> how is Cordero Patterson so good? I feel like he's been in the league for, like, 20 years, man. It, I mean, I know yeah, it's not it's- that long, but it is... Like, I feel like we should be talking about Cordero Patterson. And who was the guy that always used to get migraines? Percy Harvin. Like, I feel Hmm. like that's when I talked about Cordero Patterson, when I was talking about Percy Harvin. How is he? He's got to be in his mid-30s. 
How and I, he means so much to you guys. He does. Um, Percy Arvin is a great comp. Uh, first off, because I, you know, I think that very similar guys, kind of these gadget, just uber athletic players, almost like Alvin Kamara was a little bit like that coming out of Tennessee, where you had he had no proven track record, but he was a freak athlete and he right. had more of a natural position. But yeah, I mean, Cordero Patterson is number one on my list of if you could just redo their career and and put him with the right team kind of from the get-go. I, I think the way that he runs the ball is more comparable to a player like an Adrian Peterson than it is, you know, some of the modern running backs. Like he runs the ball from a full sprint every single time, whether it is a dive up the middle or a toss sweep on the outside, he hits that thing full go. And it does have a lot to do with, I think his background as a kick returner, you know, he's just used to being up and making all of these decisions at full speed. And what Arthur Smith has done with him over the last two years, uh, I mean, maybe, in my opinion, like his signature accomplishment so far as a, uh, a Falcons head coach. And obviously, Terry Fontenot, I think, deserves a lot of credit in bringing him in. But but so do a lot of the assistant coaches on the Bears staff. You know, Dave Ragone, um, I'm blanking on their their former uh, offensive line coach, but um, or their running backs coach, sorry. Dwayne Ledford is their offensive line coach. Um but they all had Cordero Patterson in Chicago kind of the year before that he yep. came here to Atlanta and they all vouched for him. And they were like, this dude can help us. And if we're looking to build a little bit of a bad news bears type of mighty ducks team over here, where we're just trying to get the most and, and the gumption and bring it all together with duct tape, like Cordero Patterson is an underrated asset that we could really use on our team. And again, like that's why I think he kind of picked right back up where he left off against the chargers. He looked great in the first four weeks before he went down with an injury he had two games over 120 yards, I think in that span. So yeah, the Falcons ability to use him, I think is going to be huge, but Demir bird, he's been playing great as well. So uh, it's a good pull there, Tony. Don't tell him dad. You don't have to say that. Dude. <laughs> he's don't uh, have been to. a guest. He's been a guest on this podcast twice. So. Nice. So, yeah. We can't uh, say the same for Brian Edwards, a uh, former <laughs> South Carolina. Uh, game <laughs> is he the guy that you got from uh, Las Vegas? He is. Yeah. And, oh, and, I thought I mean, he was good. You know, I overdrafted him in a fantasy league a couple of years ago, thinking, yep. oh, man, I got so wooed by that preseason. That preseason can woo you. He and Alshon so, Jeffrey, man, coming out, of, <laughs> coming out of South Carolina, I was like, yeah. these guys are going to be stars. Yep. So, well, to flip it to the other side of the, the ball, uh, to the Falcons defense, uh, and shout out to Falcons Rise Up. He's a frequenter of our chat and all the other Panther chats. <laughs> Uh, what I wanted to ask is this, because we've been having these conversations about our quarterback. And part of the reason why P.J. Walker still has the starting job right now is because of what he did versus Atlanta and yeah. how accurate he was. And that deep ball to D.J. Moore. Oh, beautiful. I mean, and just Work you know, of art. That, amazing. That was, yeah, Seriously, it really frame was. it. Yeah, I mean, and it's like we all knew that P.J. had those flashes in him, but he's been so inconsistent. And then he has a terrible game against Cincinnati. So we're, we're kind of wondering what our quarterback position actually is. There's also this notion that I've heard from some Falcons fans that part of the reasons why PJ was so good is because they were injured in the defensive backfield. They were missing AJ Terrell. They did have, I believe like two safeties missing. How healthy 
is your defense going into this game? And oh. how did you expect this match to be different defensively from what happened, you know, a little less than two weeks ago? Yeah, uh, that's good. That's a good question because not a lot has changed, right? It's such a short time frame that right. really what, what we saw is probably what we should expect because the Falcons haven't gotten any healthier on the defensive side of the ball. AJ Terrell has been ruled out. Safety Eric Harris, um, who I think was available for the Panthers game, he's out. But Jalen Hawkins, I don't think was um, back for the Panthers game because he was injured in that game against the uh, the 49ers, if I recall correctly. He'll be back. He's a third-year player. He's played really well. He and Richie Grant have been the starters. Eric Harris has been a little bit of a Swiss Army knife kind of coming off the bench as a veteran. Um, they also traded for Rashad Fenton and like uh, traded Dean Marlowe away to Buffalo at the trade deadline. Dean Marlowe was one of the two alongside with Rashad Evans who gave up the DJ Moore touchdown. Former I don't Panther. Know the former Pan- another former Panther, yep. by the way. Yeah. Yep. And I don't think that had anything to do with the reason that they traded him. In fact, Arthur Smith, you know, said that it was had more to do with like, I think it, it's a little bit of, they were overcrowded at the safety position and wanted to just change up some of their depth and where it was allocated because of the injuries at corner. And Dean Marlowe is a former bill. So it was kind of like, yeah. all right, we'll send him to Buffalo. They're having a great season. Dean will be happy with this, all that good stuff. But their two safeties will be there. Their corners will be, be the same as, as Carolina saw last time, Cornell Armstrong, D. Alford, Isaiah Oliver um, back in the slot. My main thing is not necessarily anything that's going to change defensively with Carolina. I'm curious to see if P.J. Walker can put together another type of performance like that. And, and you mentioned his accuracy. like His stat line, 19 of 36, not the most accurate. Yeah, he has such a in, bad first quarter. Yes, but it was it was the 19 completions that he made. Like each of those or a vast majority of those were awesome throws that really I think impacted Carolina's ability in that game. True. Like he made each of those completions count in the biggest way. I and mean, there was like two or three, maybe not that many, but there was one that DJ almost had where he had his toe tapping on the side yep. and it was mm-hmm. like so there was, you know, maybe three left on the field. It's that's the problem with PJ is like when he makes a play, it's incredible. It's just when he makes a bad play, it's horrific. Well, that's the line in the NFL, right? Right? Like <laughs> yeah, it's no it's, it's the the mistakes are going to be amplified, just like you know the the successes sometimes because the the players all around you are better, so they're the the variation is is much greater than maybe in college or, or something like that. But yeah, if PJ Walker can even if they rein him in, and even if it's not thirty six attempts, if it's 25 attempts and he's 17 of 25. I think Carolina's got a good shot. It's not like Atlanta's defense. I think they're moving in the right direction. They're nowhere near Carolina's defense. They're nowhere near Tampa Bay's defense. They're nowhere near, you know, New Orleans's defense yet. So they're still the fourth in this division defensively. I think it's going to be more about Atlanta's offense. Can they? control possession can they be efficient in the red zone can they put points on the board and keep the pressure on carolina's offense but that's kind of more i think atlanta's path to victory than like an overwhelming defensive effort i got two for you and i'm gonna give you one at a time um explain this calvin ridley trade to me like it is i've never seen a trade like this before 
And obviously he's under suspension. I don't even know what his story is anymore at this point is if he's suspended. <laughs> he was he left he is, he at is. one point for mental health reasons. Like he was like, man, I can't deal with this Falcons team no more. I got to go home. And then Rude. he gets suspended while he's on his mental while he's on a sabbatical. He took a sabbatical and then got suspended. But then he gets traded. And when I was reading the trade, there was like so many contingencies. <laughs> I was like, I can't even keep up with this. I don't care this much about Calvin Ridley or the Jaguars to re- to even invest brain space on it. Tell me, explain it to me. Yeah. So uh, his his suspension is still ongoing. It's indefinite. Um, indefinite. Yeah, but the expectation is that he is going to be reinstated at the end of um you know at the end of this season ahead so of incredible season. uh it, cody lashney's molester man can p- come back and play in 11 games or whatever and this poor guy's like black ball he's like the pete rose of nfl he he absolutely is and it's kind of insane that that that's the case because a lot of you know, fans, it, it's a little bit like, all right, he didn't bet against the Falcons. He was away from the team at the time. Like, there's no real impact, but just give him six from- games. I mean, that's a big ass suspension, right? In the NFL, yes. six games. I mean, like, we could have just it handled is. this a long time ago and just been past it. But the NFL, we've seen time and again, they like to make examples of players that they believe are kind of out at the forefront of issues uh in the league that matter to the league and that's kind of the key thing is gambling <laughs> the integrity of the game that actually as matters they're sponsored the by FanDuel or DraftKings or whatever mm-hmm. it is I don't even know which one it is the hypocrisy is, yeah, is insane so awesome. but I mean we we saw this with um you know just the the way that they've handled the Josh Gordon case like with marijuana we yeah. saw it uh like Roger Goodell's very first real ruling was Michael Vick as as a commissioner and and obviously like he took that as a way to set a precedent and i don't think he's ever really moved off of that when they're able to bring the hammer down for the first time they, they usually don't do flinch it. yes yeah. and so until we take the hammer away it's like oh i got the hammer let me smash this dude because they're going to take it away from me in a second but what was the trade is the trade yeah. is if he plays there was three conditions to it do you know him yep um so this would be if uh, the Falcons, I believe, traded him um, for two future firsts, right? <laughs> or no, no, sorry, not, not two I was future firsts. Say, that's two okay. future picks. Two oh, future God. picks. Sorry, I'm, I'm kind of I'm reading to make sure. No, I'm, I'm I got you. I got. Right. I know it's confusing. I read it, it and I'm like, my eyes. I like. I was like a uh, in that. Uh, I will tell you a movie, but I'm you're too. You guys are too young to know it. But anyway, keep going. A beautiful mind is what it thinks. Oh, beautiful! Come on, I teach nineteen-year-olds, bro. They don't weren't even born during nine eleven. Now, like, it's tough. I'm old. I'm turning forty-one tomorrow, Friday. Friday. Nah, yeah, but I don't care. I mean, but like, it's not old. But gosh, well, congratulations, hey, happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you. All right, so not two future first, two future not picks. Two. Two future draft picks. Um, and so it'll be a, a 2023 fifth rounder. Um, it could be as high as a 2024 second rounder. <laughs> However, that is contingent, like you said, on a few different things, right? So if if Ridley's reinstated and makes the team in 2024, it'll be at least a fourth rounder. Um, if he reaches kind of a certain amount of snaps or milestone of, of playing time that 
I don't think is public at this point in time and, and probably will never be. He will, or the Falcons will then receive a third rounder. And if the Jags sign him to a long-term deal, I guess before, you know, supposedly the 2024 um, NFL draft, which makes sense because he's entering his final um, year of his rookie contract, then that becomes a second round pick. So if Ridley makes the team, it's fourth round pick. Uh, if he plays a certain amount of snaps, it'll bump up to a third in 2024. And then if the Jags decide, hey, this is the Calvin Ridley we thought we were going to get, it's a second round pick for Atlanta and they sign him to a to a longer term extension. So I, it makes sense for both sides because the why Jags... Did, why does it make sense for the Jags? It seems like a such a long shot trade in so many ways. Well, because Calvin Ridley... You know, the expectation again, right, is that he's coming back uh, next year. And and if the NFL does anything unforeseen and, you know, decides to sp- suspend him forever, like they did apparently Josh Gordon, like then I think that'll be a very, very surprising outcome for everybody. The expectation is he is next year is back. And he fits, I think, more what the Jags are trying to do than what the Falcons are going to do. I, I kind of had my question mark about whether or not he was going to be with the Falcons regardless, even when he was reinstated. And so from Jacksonville's standpoint, it makes sense to do this deal now because I think that once Ridley was reinstated next offseason, then you're in a bit of a bidding war potentially. And the way that we've seen the market for wide receivers creep up, Ridley's still going to be on his fifth-year option as a rookie. He's going to be an old rookie, but you're paying $10 million next year for Calvin Ridley services, which is a little bit of a bargain. So I think that Jacksonville maybe felt, hey, instead of trying to compete against an open market with a bunch of teams and maybe like an LA Rams from 2021 that is all in and will pay $10 million for Calvin Ridley and give up a first round pick to get him, Maybe they felt like if we do it early, we can get a little bit of a discount. And the Falcons, you know, may have just said, all right, this is an asset that we don't necessarily see being with us in the future. If we can get a future second round pick out of it and a, and a fifth round pick, um, you know, immediately, then let's do it. Just another example of brain dead Atlanta Falcons. Justin Hardy, <laughs> greater than Calvin Ridley. Justin Hardy, greater oh. than God. <laughs> Uh, no, also, no, 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 the no. man with the golden glove. He's a ECU alum. I'm an ECU guy and incredible. No, no. Uh, was rooting for him. Uh, my final question is this is, um, so when we were talking about like those preconceptions going into the season, uh, what, what I think about this is when I look at Arthur Smith, which I'm sure you guys are pretty happy with what he's been able to do in his first, this is his second year, right? As a coach. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure you got pretty happy that he's put together a very competent team, uh, given the circumstances. Uh, the way that we, I think, view you guys and we view ourselves is we view our team as a talented team who has underperformed. Like we have talent on the roster who has not met, uh, who has underperformed the talent on that team. And I look at the Falcons and say, you guys have overperformed the talent on your team in a way. Why are the Falcons so talentless for an outsider? Who wants to be, I mean, like we like this shit. I, the Falcons are the, my most hated team in the NFC South, right? Is uh, yeah. Justin, uh, the, the only thing that I've ever liked about you guys is Justin Hardy and Demir Bird 
And uh, I am the only person, here's my best joke, or one of my good jokes that slaps hard, is I'm the only guy in the world who likes Mike Vick more after the dog crap than before <laughs> because it got him out of the NFC South finally. Um, mm-hmm. Why are you guys not more talented right now? Like, uh, like why is it seemingly... Even like we're talking about AJ, like it doesn't look when you look at the roster across. You got great, uh, what is it, Grady Jarrett? Yep. Always, man. Yep. And that Clemson like an alumni, get right, his name right, baby. Not as good as the ECU alum. Anyway, back AJ to this. Terrell. Who? Why, why is this roster kind of in my? And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just kind of dumping on it just because I don't like it, like you guys. Period. But why is the <laughs> roster? not more talented because Matt Ryan's not there sucking up the money anymore. Julio has been gone now for two years, I believe. Like why? Like where's the, what's going on? What's been going on? Well, um, you say Matt Ryan is, is not there anymore. Well, his contract is, uh, (laughs) he is, he is currently the highest paid Falcon and he is sitting on the bench for Indianapolis. Which didn't they um, bench him so they didn't have to pay him more money next year or something? I think that was maybe. part of his. Yeah, I but, think but that's a, Indy's call. Atlanta's on the hook this year. They're for, ma- he's uh, making money like crazy. Forty and a half million dollars is what Atlanta is paying him wow. this year. Forty and a half, and he's paying. Oh God. Yep. So Julio Jones is being paid fifteen and a half million. Still uh, from you guys. Yep. Deion Jones mm. is eleven point eight. I guess we just answered it. There you go. The Falcons have nearly $80 million in dead cap this season, uh, which I believe is is highest in the league. Jake Matthews is currently Atlanta's highest paid player with a cap hit of $15 million, which is teeny tiny. They have, again, three guys, two guys at least, um, who are not on the Falcons right now, who are making, who are counting more against Atlanta's salary cap than their highest uh you know, paid player on the team. So that is, that's the issue. But the reason I think a lot of fans and my, you know, candidly, I come from a house divided. Uh, half of my family is from North Carolina, from Monroe, from Charlotte. Uh, my, my grandfather, rest in peace, Bill Heath, uh, was a season ticket holder from the get go, uh, you know, right there near the, I believe 40 yard line, kind of the very end of the front row section. Right when you walk through the mezzanine, you walk in, he's right there on the railing. So I've been to many Panthers games in, in my life. Like I, I kind of love this rivalry because of the family connections. My dad will text me, you know, at least a, a Sunday or, or so throughout this season and just be like the stark difference between watching the Panthers play and the Falcons play. You can tell the Falcons are going somewhere because it's kind of what he wanted to see with Matt Rule and Joe Judge when all of this came together. And I texted him and I was like, you guys hit a home run because I thought... Oh, and this Joe is Brady. What... Joe Brady. Yeah. Joe. Did I say Joe Burrow? You said Joe Judge. Which Joe, oh, Joe Judge. Judge. Don't worry. We yeah, need to forget George. all these names, period. Yeah, we're all these names for... Don't worry. So we don't that, even that care. <laughs> Joe Brady, though. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I thought that was such a home run hire, which is just tells you how dumb we are in the media where it's like everybody who you're getting talked about. The we get before. into group think, man. I think exactly. that's what we get into group think on those things. And so I think that Arthur Smith has done such a good job of understanding kind of how an 
NFL offense should work and complement each other and all of the different ingredients you can throw in. And what he does so well is just everything looks the exact same from the jump and five different things can happen. It's like facing a pitcher who is the exact same release, whether he's going to throw you a curveball, a slider, or a fastball up high in the zone. And it, it just, it's really hard to figure out. And so I think that that's kind of what excites a lot of people here is the talent's not there yet, but they're figuring out the right way to run something that fits this team, that fits the ingredients that are on this roster and really make it hum. Imagine what they can do when they get some guys here that they can actually pay to count $25 million against the cap next year instead of paying that for somebody in Indianapolis. All right, Cody, close us out. Oh, look at this. Uh, look, first, uh, <laughs> this is wonderful, is Michael Davis, again, patron saint. Uh, he said, contributing to Tony's algebra tutoring, he's making fun of ECU. Um, <laughs> just remember, ECU's got the prettiest girls and the best party in town. Promise you that. Come come to Greenville, bro. I tell you, we do it different. We do it different than all of y'all, man. Greenville, uh, Michael Davis, thank you for your support, Cody. Uh, Thursday yeah. night is the blackout game. It's the second game, or it's the final game between us and the Falcons. We have played the Saints once. We played the Bucks once. We This will be our second game against the Falcons. This division is still up in the air. I am the last person on. Look, I hate that. It's not in the, in the air for us, bro. I'm sorry. It's not. I don't even care if we win this game. Still not in the air then. Uh, Cody, I don't even say that. No, I do care if we win this game. I know I'm better algebra. Y'all do some weird ass math, obviously. Reason, now, part of the reason why the Panthers are finally going to be wearing their all black helmets. I'm so excited for it, man. We've been wanting this for a long time. We're hoping to see it a lot more. Um, well, I appreciate you coming on. I'm just going to answer yeah. a real simple, simple question. What's the final score? Ooh, man. Well, I would never. That's always the it. hardest question. How about this? It's, he said it's a simple question. Spot. It's like, oh, well, but, but, <laughs> hey, hey, it can be simple and hard, but I want, hey, I want to get your honest opinion. Do you oh, remember the guys, the weather's this? supposed to be bad. Here's some things just to consider yeah. is there's some wildly there's some tropical storm that's forming yeah that's going to be coming through i don't know if it's going to uh, my wife was checking the, i was like i heard the weather's going to be bad and this is important if you're like putting in prize picks or something like this is this is going to be a game that probably coming off of pj walker being three for ten with almost as many interceptions as completions you got to think the panthers are going to want to go back to the ground game, mm -hmm. and that is the Falcons' bread and butter, too. Arthur Smith will run the ball in, like, third and 20. He's like, I don't care. We're down 20 he'll, points. He'll run the ball if they're losing. Yeah, down 20 on third and 20. Hell, and you know what? He's like, hey, you know what? We got 19. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so tough question. What is the outcome of uh, – is this a Falcons sweep? Ooh, that's hard. I I think it I think nervous. it is because yes. I I think that on the one hand this is what's so hard, right? Because I did not think that the last game was going to be thirty-seven to thirty-four. I don't think any of us did. Um, nope. And I don't think that you're going to get another one of those. I I don't think you're going to get another one of those for for the reasons the weather reasons you pointed out for you know I don't think we're going to get the quarterback games that we got from these two. 
I, you know, I don't think PJ they Walker both throwing... played their best games like of their career in a sense. Not, I mean, not well, at least for PJ. Right, but I, it was certainly like one of their better games of the season. PJ right. was great. I mean, that throw at the end again just cannot say enough. You about know, how he's framed it. How about oh. that? If you're PJ Walker, that might be. If things go bad for you for the rest of the season, it might be your end. You know, that is like oh, well, always. That... That's like your profile pick forever. That's like, uh, remember, like when your grandkids come over, like everybody has to walk by and touch the picture so on the wall. Memory. So, well, fun fact that was the longest uh, a ball has traveled thrown by a Panthers quarterback through the No, air. by any quarterback. No, yes. they said it was through two, uh, since 2006. We haven't Two-th- had a pass that deep. Oh, I think, no, I think the stat was this, Cody, is when they started keeping up with those. ASW stats like those advanced analytics in 2016. That's the longest through the air completion since they've kept up with that since 2016. And guess who the last guy that did it was? The guy that held the record before because everybody on the internet loves to gotcha it. He's on the Panthers roster. Uh, is, it he, yeah. is it Baker? He, is it yeah. Tim? And he did okay. it against the Panthers. With that pass to Donovan Peoples Jones a couple of years ago, where he dropped it in the bucket for the win or whatever, and it was sixty-four yards through the air. Crazy. Dang. Anyway, what's the score? <laughs> I'm gonna say twenty-seven seventeen Atlanta. Um, I, I just think that you know it could be a little bit of a sloppier game, but I think Atlanta coming off of a loss, they're gonna get some things tightened up. I think they're gonna be pretty efficient in the red zone. Um and, you know, I think their ground game has been lights out, game in and game out. It, it does not disappear, and your run game travels. So I, yeah. I think the Falcons are going to be able to lean on something. You know, I, I think they're going to get a turnover or two off PJ. I'm very curious to see, you know, if, if things do start poorly for PJ, what is the leash like for him? Do they go back to Baker? Given and what there's kind of some weird things going on mm-hmm. with that. Baker's upset, too. Yeah. So I, I could I could see this being a weird game, maybe going into halftime and it it feels like it's something. And then I would expect Atlanta to kind of be consistent. They need to play a four quarter game. Um, and I think they'll start a little bit of a run here on Thursday night. Cody, what's your answer? For the final score? Yeah. I'm going 24-21. Who? Carolina Panthers. <laughs> okay. Oh, man. Dude, I just, I, I, listen, I think... Um, you know, we kind of talked about it earlier with, with Joe Pershing. I don't believe Wilkes is into tanking and losing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I no think one is. No, but, I, I, but I'm saying it means something to him. And especially after how close that game was in Atlanta and you're at home and you're wearing the helmets and it's a blackout game. Like, <laughs> hey, it's time to put up or shut up, you know. But that, that's what's so weird about this, Will. The Panthers... We have the number two pick in the draft right now, but we're only two games out of first place. Like I don't even know how often that shit has ever happened before. Again, a beautiful but mind math right there. That's ECU dude, algebra. It, it, that's ECU algebra. Right now. And, uh, you know, so it's it's just going to be interesting to see what kind of fight they put up, especially after coming off of that shellacking that we took well, by the Bengals. You know, so. that's an interesting point, though, Cody, is because – one of the things that we looked at is that some people were asking after the way we lost to Atlanta a week and a half ago or whatever it was, um, 
that that was did that deflate the team somehow where they then had to travel to Cincy and that you know kind of some sort of psychological emotional effect of the way you lost in that game and then interesting to that is that you're kind of trying to think about that is like all right we're coming off of this shellacking from the Bengals you're talking about Steve Wilkes not wanting to hang up hang it up but also the Falcons are coming off a difficult loss to the Chargers and the question is is how does that affect them in that same capacity do they respond in a way like hey we played a really tough team and had them down to the wire and blew it or did we you know or do they come out and do what we did so also interesting storylines even when the team's or at least our team is one of the least interesting teams <laughs> that we've covered in a while. Well, thank you so much for your time tonight. Tell uh, everyone first uh, how they can follow you, and please tell Cam thank you. Cam, right, <laughs> man, this guy thinks of me. He will email me. He just, and man, I tell you, for someone who's got three kids, career, extra jobs, all of this going on, he sends me an email. He's like, hey, you wanted to make this? I'm like, Hell yeah. So please give him a super thumbs up for me next time you talk to him. Uh, tell him how they can find your work and the work on the Believe Network. Yeah, no, Cam Cam is definitely getting, Cam Rogers is definitely getting a uh, a little Christmas basket from me this year because He's he makes awesome, my, life, my life easy as well. Um, no, but I, I appreciate you guys having me on. This was a blast. Always uh, love chatting about the I-85 rivalry. Yeah. Um, you guys can follow me on Twitter at Will McFadden. During the game, I'll be tweeting all my insights. I'm trying to tweet Ooh, less. Are you going to get a blue check? I've already got a blue check. The, the are you going to keep is, it? Am I going to keep it? I No, man. It yes, is you fake, are. Now, once you heard currency. his Twitter spaces today, <laughs> tw- wait, go listen to Elon Musk's Twitter spaces today. We're all going to have to pay for one if we want our tweets seen. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not paying it. See, that's the thing. That's what he missed. Like journalists are the last people we don't want to be recognized. We don't want to. We want to do our work in the shadows. I don't want to. I don't need that notoriety. Lies. That's, that's my lies. opinions that's aren't worth lies. The we all want to be recognized. <laughs> We're begging people to watch our shit. Um, oh, okay. But yeah, follow, go ahead and follow me at, uh, at Will McFadden. It's the one with the the blue check mark next to it. In case you <laughs> for uh, you now can't find it. <laughs> Um, I will have a, a show believe in Falcons, uh, coming out tomorrow morning with Steve Weish of the NFL network, breaking down this matchup, uh, kind of doing a mid season check-in on the Falcons. So if you want a real quick summary of how the Falcons performed up until now, in case you somehow missed, uh, the last matchup a couple weeks ago, feel free to uh, listen to that. But yeah, all my uh, stuff is on the falcoholic.com, uh, written wise. And that is it again. Thank you guys so much. I really enjoyed Incredible stuff. Thank you so much, Will. Cody, man, we have had a fun couple of days. And guess where we got to be back tomorrow? Yeah, right here doing this. Yeah, uh, the post-game show. Uh, I think uh, right now the brainstorm is to start it sometime in the fourth quarter. Yeah. So I'm, down do the, I, I, I'm down for what that was clever, man. I, I would do the whole game if if we needed to. I get Greg and CK probably couldn't do all that, but well, Greg's going to be busy. I can do that. Like, I just want to make sure that we keep true to the post game. So I don't want to convert or conflate entirely a, um, watch along with a post game. I don't know. 
love to hear you guys just stuff. Maybe maybe let's do this. Is how about this? Is let's plan on booming up the post game show when we start the fourth quarter. How's that sound? We do a watch along at the end, and if it's out of hand, that will expedite the the post game. And if it's close, you get some fun reactions, dude. Tonight, um. I want to thank everybody first who's tuning in right now. Look, 70 people strong. Please smash the thumbs up button. Thank you for the people that gave the super chats, man. You guys are incredible. So generous. Uh, But I want to thank you even more for your time. For your time. I mean, look, is that uh, I know people will say to us is, oh, you're putting in your time. You're putting in your and and we do. I mean, look, I was like, I told Miranda, I was like, you got to pick the kids up. Here, I did this. I took Michael to swim practice at 6 a.m. this morning after staying up podcasting forever. So, blow, you can pick these kids up. But we give our time, but y'all give your time, and it's incredible. And that's more valuable than mine. So I want to thank everybody who's listening right now. Um, we need each other. We need each other because this ain't going to – it could get harder before it gets easier. And uh, – Cody, you said last night we know the reason why the podcast goes on and on is Tony. It's true. Y'all I know. my friends. Y'all I my friends. Hey. I just want to hang out. I don't even want to end it right now, but I don't we will. say things that aren't true. And you know well, that. Well, that is a lie, bro. Oh, uh, no. That is a big lie. Hard. And we yes, will not argue about it for two hours now, but <laughs> that was a big <laughs> ass lie. Uh, Thank you as well, Cody, for your time. And being Absolutely, my best man. bud, even though you're most stubborn, ridiculous person at times. I love you, little brother. Um, tomorrow night, C3 Panthers post game. Check out the podcast on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher. Don't forget, we really want you guys to help us in this charity drive because I think this could be a cool yearly way for us to spend the bye week support charity not make it about us but also make it about the panthers like we want to always stay in our lane about the panthers and i think this is a cool way uh cody lastly are you going to get your blue check uh you know i might have to now if you want anybody to see your tweets because this is what yeah he said tonight it's in the shadow band you essentially if you don't pay for twitter blue then your stuff isn't getting seen in comparison. Or as much. With, yeah, or as much. I even said that if you don't have Twitter Blue, it's going to be like going through your spam folder in your which, Gmail. Which is crazy because yeah. I have never looked at my spam folder. Oh, dude, So, never. like, every tweet. So, we were sitting here saying, oh, it's not that bad last night, and I was listening to Elon on the call tonight, and I was yeah. like, oh, shit. It's like... Are we going to stay on seem... Twitter? Because I love Twitter. It's my platform that I like. Oh, I like dude, YouTube you're, you're and dude, Twitter. I fucking, dude, I, Twitter is my shit. I, I spend too much time on Twitter. You know, I, I, I know that. Uh, but I do think it is a weird thing that, that they're deciding to do. I would hate for it to be a scenario where you have to pay for Twitter in order to get a usable version of it that isn't terrible. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. I think right, it almost was- is my theory with this, Cody, is that uh, it doesn't matter if you're a consumer of information on Twitter, but I use Twitter to put my voice out. You so, know, it's like, I really don't care what y'all are saying. I want you to listen to me. 
And so if I feel like if you are, a, so some people look at Twitter for new, like, and I do the same thing. Like that's how yeah, I, I check my news. I mean, so I consume just as much as I produce, but I look at it as a production platform in a way. Like I am putting my voice to the world. Not everybody feels that way. So the people who are just consuming information probably won't need to do the Twitter blue. Like their shit will still be fine. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely for certain people. I had posted in the creator chat, like or the or, or our chat or about a week ago, because I was thinking, hey, man, maybe if we all get check marks, it lends some legitimacy to us. But then if you can just pay to get legitimized, how legitimate actually are you? You know what I mean? So it's kind of like you're damned if you do. Damned I didn't realize that the bots were that wild. So and I almost feel like Elon's using that as a slight like a disguise for saying we just need to make money like i just feel like he's like oh there's bots everywhere and if we just charge you money and put a paywall up we'll get rid of bots yeah but it also feels like he's just saying man this company i better make some money out of this quick everybody loved him at first because they thought that he's going to be this free speech champion that's what it claims to be and whether or not that happens like i have no opinion one way or the other i hope that he does end up continuing to do that but uh yeah some of the business practices things we're gonna have to see man never put all never put all your trust in a billionaire okay at the end of the day you don't become a billionaire unless you're a savage and unless you're willing to you know kick dirt on the plebs that are uh that out there crying. Yeah, right. Us no, no, that is well, we. That's why I love like Google David and Pepper YouTube. Google and you Google knows how to use the plebes as their army. CK says you got the blue check. <laughs> oh, nice. Dude. I mean, we might have to just because I don't want to lose. I mean, I'm like, I don't want to abandon Twitter. Like, I can't go to Insta. I can't go. Like, I would just then be on YouTube. I hate Facebook. It's too yeah. clunky. It's so clunky. Like, I can't. It's just too much. Like, I have a panic attack when I look at Facebook. Instagram for me is, like, only half-naked women. <laughs> oh, that's my TikTok. That's my TikTok. Which I always, I'm like, hey, you know what? Let me just look at some boobs uh, no, real that's quick. That's my Instagram. My, uh, yeah, but my, my Twitter, dude, like I said, um, you know, my Twitter's popped off ever since I started doing the, doing the podcast. I'm damn near at 2,000 followers, so. Follow your boy, man, at Cody Lax, C-O-D-Y-L-A-C. That's me right there up on screen. Follow the professor at cat underscore chronicles. And uh, and, and maybe, CK, do you want to do a simulation? I'm down if you want to. Uh, Cody Lack, uh, been great hanging out with really good good episode. We got Joe Person. Look, yeah, y'all man. go subscribe to The Athletic. Let them know you heard about it on C3. Because I feel like we're becoming a conduit of news where people like Joe person goes monthly on WFNZ. We need those guys coming monthly on the C3 Panthers podcast because we're reaching the people. We still need to get Dave Newton again. That was fun. The last time. Oh, he's uh, the best. And Sheena, Sheena too's a rising star. No, David Newton's a superstar in my mind. All right, Cody, let's get out of here before I keep asking you questions. All right. C3 Panther nation until next time. Keep pounding. 
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.